chapter seventeen of blackthorn farm by arthur Aplin. this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter seventeen at postbridge hall the warders stared into each other's faces it's a bad job you're sure he's dead i wouldn't have done it for anything the man who had fired the shot whispered i aimed at his legs to damn the gun he threw it into the heather and turned away to hide his emotion the second warder glanced back over his shoulder the fog was slipping down the hillside again the stone wall and the ponies were already lost to view fire off your gun again they'll hear it on the road i'd better go back for the ponies or we shall lose them which way did the other fellow go i don't know you get the ponies i'll wait here the second warder hurried up the hillside towards the stone wall and disappeared into the fog the one who had fired the fatal shot stooped to pick up his gun as he did so the figure of the convict lying on the heather stirred a second later he was on his feet running for dear life he was gone before the warder could realize what had happened he swung round and stared open-mouthed at the wall of fog surrounding him on all sides well i'm damned he ejaculated jamming a cartridge into his gun he fired it off when the fatal shot was fired rupert was a few yards ahead of three o three and he felt a sharp sting at the point of his shoulder as he heard the shot whiz by thinking that the shot was aimed at him and feeling himself hit he swerved to the right and made for a low wall which ran down towards the powder magazine intent only on reaching its shelter the shock of being fired at had put all thought of his comrade for the moment out of his mind and it was not until he was over the wall and heading for the small clump of trees through the top of which he could see the ruined chimney of the old powder mill which instinct told him was his only chance did he think of three o three slackening his pace he glanced back over his shoulder but he could see nothing he turned once more and sped towards the trees which were now only a few hundred yards away and the fold in the ground hid him from the road and also from the hill above on reaching the trees his breath coming in great gasps worn out with excitement he threw himself upon a bed of rushes growing beside the cherry brook which flowed within the walls that enclosed the powder mills he was consumed with raging thirst and when he had recovered his breath sufficiently he crawled to the brook and buried his face in the cool clear stream as he sat up he saw his right hand dripping with blood and for the first time remembered his wound taking off his broad arrowed coat he felt his throbbing shoulder and was relieved to find the bullet had but grazed his flesh he went to the stream and dipped his coat into the water when he was startled by a dull thud of horses hoofs approaching the powder mill buildings were mere ruined shells there was no shelter there but suddenly his eye caught the chimney a circular stack about thirty feet high the horseman had reached the wall he heard him check the horse and dismount rupert remembered that he had often swarmed up the inside of the chimney when a boy the sound of the pony's hoofs striking the stone of the wall as the warder led him through the gap caused rupert to spring towards the chimney in a second he was within the ruined furnace grasping the iron bar which crossed the chimney some six feet above the ground 
he swung himself up and placing his knees against the round wall in front of him and with his back against the other side he slowly worked himself up the narrow shaft until he was some twelve feet up by jamming his feet in a niche from which the mortar had fallen out and with his back thrust against the opposite wall he made himself secure for the moment he heard the warder and the pony stumbling over the rubble which strewed the mouth of the ruined chimney his heart was in his mouth pony and man were within the furnace and the voice of the warder almost beneath him made rupert look down in momentary expectation of meeting his upturned gaze he saw his arm and shoulder already beneath the chimney another moment and he would be discovered a voice outside hailed the warder and he stepped back and disappeared for some little time rupert heard the voice of men talking in the precincts of the powder mill he strained his ears to try and hear what they said but only caught odd words he gathered that they were still searching both for him and convict three o three he was relieved to know that his friend had not been caught yet in his heart he realized it was only a matter of time once he reached home if indeed he were lucky enough to succeed in doing so he would only wait long enough to discover how things were with his father and sister and to warn them that a fortune might still be lying within their grasp he did not know how much of the little property had been mortgaged to sir reginald crichton he almost hoped the disused tin mine was included as long as the interest was paid the mortgage would remain undisturbed and sir reginald had proved himself to be not only an upright gentleman but a kind friend it was his one-time friend robert despard the man who had called himself his pal whom he feared almost the last words the latter had spoken to him echoed ironically on his brain i'll keep the secret about our radium mine old man never fear it's safe with me various schemes flashed with lightning-like rapidity through rupert's brain as he clung to his perilous position in the chimney above the furnace he began to think that the men outside intended to remain there for the night it seemed so long before they moved away and he heard the beat of their ponies hoofs growing fainter and fainter but at last he knew they were really gone even then he waited a while before he commenced to painfully clamber to the ground he was stiff and sore his shoulder ached and throbbed where the stray buckshot had struck him there was blood upon his hand too where he had cut it but he was still free at first he moved cautiously examining the ground as much as was visible in all directions the fog had partially cleared away but it still lay in patches here and there there was not a soul in sight not a sound to be heard save the purling waters of the little cherry brook on his left he knelt down and washed the blood from his hand then took a drink and suddenly he laughed under his breath it was good to be alive again for he had not been living those past months in prison he had been less alive than a caged animal he had slept eaten worked and exercised with mechanical-like precision even the agonies of mind he had undergone seemed unreal now they did not even seem to matter nothing mattered but the fact that he was free free to sit or stand to walk or run to laugh or cry free to move as he liked look where he liked do what he liked he dug his hands into the soft peat and tore it up and sniffed the sweet scent he stood upright and stretched out his arms then laughed aloud it was indeed good to be alive again it was wonderful the next moment he was trembling from head to foot and his body broke out in a sweat 
he was not to be alive for long even if he reached blackthorn farm and delivered his message he would have to give himself up and go back to prison back to that living grave he had told poor 303 that escape was absolutely impossible even if a man got outside dartmoor and reached tavistock or exeter or plymouth he was certain to be detected and brought back his father would never hide him or help him he knew that yet if he once succeeded in getting home he could remain there hidden long enough to disguise himself to grow a beard and then one day so altered as to be hardly recognizable he might ship off to canada or australia his head swam he put his hands up before his eyes for a moment the sudden draught of freedom had intoxicated him once again he gazed round the moorland it was growing dark the sun had set and the western sky was still glowing red now and then a faint puff of wind stirred the trees surrounding the powder mill and he saw stray banks of fog driving here and there shifting their position by crossing the stream he could step right into the white bank of mist freedom the thought of it had become an obsession now taking a run he cleared cherry brook and plunged into the fog he knew his way now he could have found it blindfold but he went cautiously for no man can be sure of himself if he once misses his way when a dartmoor fog is down to reach blackthorn farm he would have to pass post bridge hall which lay between him and the east dart he kept edging towards the valley for though it was near the main road the fog lay more thickly there than in the higher ground it was rough going rocks and boulders and gorse bushes impeded the progress invisible in the mist now and again he struck a boggy patch of ground and had to make a wide detour to avoid it he had been walking for upwards of an hour and he began to fear lest he had missed his way and perhaps been going round in a circle when suddenly he stepped out into a clear starlit night below him he saw the tiny village of post bridge and almost directly in front of him red lights gleaming through the belt of trees post bridge hall down on the bridge itself near the little post office he saw figures moving to and fro he dropped onto his hands and knees behind the shelter of a rock he heard the barking of a sheepdog the voices of men and women travelled up to him of course the news of the escape had spread and the place was alive with people searching how eager men and women were to hunt their kind he remembered how as a boy he had joined in just such a hunt he commenced to crawl along on all fours toward postbridge hall the trees there might shelter him but it would be useless to try and cross the patch of country on the other side he climbed a couple of stone walls crossed a field scrambled over a fence and dropped straight into the garden of the hall itself lights gleamed from the windows the front door stood wide open and not a hundred yards away from him he saw the outer door of the glass conservatory which abutted from the drawing-room he saw with surprise that this was open too for a long time he lay waiting watching afraid to go on because he knew the fog would not descend again the million eyes of the night watched him from a cloudless sky presently from the woods behind him he heard voices and the barking of dogs a gang of men were beating the spinney in search of the two convicts within sight of home he would be caught he rose to his feet crossed the narrow stretch of turf and walked boldly up the drive 
he stood a moment outside the conservatory door listening he heard nothing but the voices of the men in the wood and the barking of the dogs he stepped inside the conservatory closed the door and then fumbling for the key found it locked it and drew the bolts top and bottom which he knew were there stooping down he crawled beneath the broad shelf which ran the length of the glass house the leaves of a palm and the fronds of a large fern gave him complete shelter he stretched himself out full length so as to lie perfectly flat and as he did so his foot struck a pile of empty flower-pots they fell over with a crash he stopped breathing he thought he detected a woman's voice in the drawing-room a minute passed but no one came he breathed again he was safe for the time being the conservatory door was locked they would never search sir reginald crichton's house he was still a free man freedom to him now was more than anything else in the world more than any love or honour or the wealth that might be lying hidden in the tin mine at home waiting for his father and sister End of chapter seventeen